Welcome to Sky Women. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Moyers, a wife, mom, and board-certified OB-GYN. This is a place to educate, empower, and inspire. Join us each week as we share the power of women's stories. Real women, real stories, real inspiration. Put on your stretchy pants. Let's get going. Welcome, Sky community. Welcome back to another episode of Sky Women Podcast. Today, we have with us Mimi Tran, who is the founder of Me Squared Cancer Foundation. And I cannot wait for you to hear this story. It is quite amazing. Mimi and I had the great honor of being presented at the recent House of Shine event, their Peace, Love, Shine annual event. And it was remarkable, but I feel like I have six new girlfriends after this event. The women are just phenomenal. And so I'm introducing you to one today because the work that she's doing is so important. Welcome, Mimi. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Absolutely. I'm glad we were able to make our schedules work. I think that your story is so fascinating. So just so everyone knows you're a breast cancer survivor, and not only are you a survivor, but you have paid it forward in such a profound way. And so I want us to dive into your story, but I want to start with your humble beginnings that you shared with us. So humble beginnings, like before I had cancer, what, yeah, when I found growing, out, up I, and growing up and kind of your mindset around okay. um, money and community. Yeah, yeah. So I, I can say I came over in 1975. Uh, my parents actually came over the day the Vietnam War fell with the U.S. So that's, you know, way back in 1975. I was probably five years old, six years old. And when we came over, we had nothing. I think my parents said we had $20 to our name. And I'm pretty sure we bought McDonald's with that $20. We just like the big M. And that was like iconic. You know, oh, we're in America. We've got to eat at McDonald's Big Mac. And uh, so I remember my mom telling me that, you know what, when it was time to leave, they wanted to borrow money from my relatives and or their relatives. And they were like, no, we're not going to give you any money. Maybe we'll give you this $20. But the conversion was like huge. And my mom packed her jewelry. She packed all the accolades that my dad got from being in the Air Force. And then she packed clothes. And then she made two backpacks for my little brother and I to wear. And in it had ramen noodles. And that was how we were going to eat. If we didn't have any food, we can always pour water and make ramen noodles or we can crack it and eat it like this. So that's how we came over. We had nothing. The day the Vietnam War was announced, the day before on April 29th, my dad called my mom and said, you need to pack up your stuff and go to the embassy. We have a plan. I still have to stay here because I'm in the Air Force but you can go first and I will meet you and I will take you to America. And that was, that was, you know, supposed to be easy, right? My dad's plan was he was a helicopter's pilot and he was going to steal a helicopter and go pick up my mom and myself and my brother and and fly us to a safe place. And then we were going to be in a camp and then come over to the United States. Well, that, you know, you can't steal a helicopter. I mean, who steals a helicopter, right? Especially a U.S. Air Force helicopter. So he and his friend had, you know, organized this whole thing. It didn't work. And 
we went without him because men were not able to go. So it was only women and children. So women and children, we flew to one island and then we ended up in Guam. And so we didn't know where my father was. We didn't know what was going on. And guess what? We ended up in the same place and we ended up being picked up by a Baptist minister and we flew to Florida, Eglin Air Force Base. So if you can imagine, we were poor, we didn't have any money at all. And that was my beginning of everything. And then all of a sudden, my, my dad got lucky. My, I had a, uh, my mom was four months pregnant when we came over. So in September, my dad got a call and said, hey, if you pass this test, you can be a pilot. Can you do that? And my dad's like, let me try. Let me do it. And he goes, well, you have two months to pass this test. But two weeks later, the guy called and said, can you take the test? Because we need people now. My dad's like, well, you only gave me two weeks. And remember, he just came over. He didn't speak English very well. But the thing was, was the test was more mathematical. So he can figure it out. He ended up passing the test with like flying colors. And my mom was pregnant. She had the baby and we all moved like right after the baby was born to New Orleans. So from New Orleans, they established their life, got a house, put us through school. And New Orleans is not the very best place to have an education because you had to really be in a private school. So they worked their way to for us to be in a private school. And I went to Catholic school from fifth grade to 12th grade. I graduated and I went to LSU and graduated with a degree four years later. And then I met my current husband today and I just thought life was perfect. Like I literally thought we came from nothing. We worked really hard. We studied like my parents had said, and now I'm married. I am living in Irving. We just moved to South Lake. Life is perfect. It can't be more perfect for me. I mean, it just can't. We, I have two kids. They graduated from South Lake. With, both of them went to UT, graduated in four years. And now my, my first son is third year in dental school. And my second daughter is a second year in medical school. Both are in, in Houston right now. Mm-hmm. And I just thought something bad is going to happen. I mean, I was about to turn 50. I just had it like I had a feeling, a sixth sense feeling, right? I had a sixth sense feeling like, oh my God, something bad is going to happen. So I was like, you know what? I think maybe I'm going to separate with Trump. I just had this idea. And my, my husband, who he and I have, we just love to hang out with each other. And I was just like, you know what? I think something's going to happen. So I told him, I was like, hey, this can't be perfect like this. Something's going to happen. We may be separating just so you know. And he's like, you're stupid. I mean, this is whatever. And so the day came when the news came that day when on a Friday night, I was like, no, it was a Saturday morning. I was taking a hot shower and I realized there was a bump on my breast. And I was like, okay, this bump is bigger than it was a couple of months ago but I just had my mammogram. So I'm like, this is not true. And this was literally about a week before I had my birthday. But then I'm like, you know what? It's probably nothing, you know, no big deal. And then a couple of days later, I went to the, to get a mammogram and then I had to get a biopsy. I had to wait five more days to get a biopsy. 
and you being in the profession, it is the worst thing is to wait. You might as well just cut my wrist because I mean, it, it was really bad. And so I, that night on Monday, my OB, Dr. Way came to my house. He's a good friend of ours. I don't want to make sure that I, full disclosure, not every OB is going to go to your house to get your diagnosis. (laughs) (laughs) He came over and he's, uh, my husband's a pediatrician. So he and my husband work together hand in hand because that's what OB does. And he was like, Hey, is is trying around? And I'm like, Robert, what are you doing here? Are you telling me that I don't have cancer? And he just looked at me. He goes, well, let's just wait for Trump. And I'm like, you can just tell me. And he goes, well, you have ductal carcinoma. And I'm like, English, please. And he was like, yes, you do have cancer. At that point, that's when I realized that that was the bad thing that was supposed to happen. It wasn't me and my husband. So I'm like, that's it. That is it. I can handle breast cancer. (laughs) I can beat breast cancer. And I, you know, and and he was like, what? And I I said to him, I go, I knew something bad was going to happen. And I just didn't realize, but now I know this is it. And he was just like, okay. You know, his big old eyes is like, sure, Mimi. (laughs) Well, that night I came, Tron came home from tennis a little bit after he left and it was around 9.30. And I said, honey, remember how I said that our life is so perfect? Guess what? I have breast cancer. So we're good. We're not going to get divorced. And he was just like, my husband's like, excuse me? We were never getting divorced. Do we even have problems? What are you talking about? And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. I mean, I'm good. I'm good. So I just thought in my head, being the positive person I am, that we're, whatever it is, I was going to be okay with because it was cancer and I'm supposed to get the easy cancer. So I'm, you know, how they, how the saying is God would never give you anything you couldn't handle. And that is what I truly thought. God is not going to give me something I'm not going to be able to handle. I'm not going to get chemo. I'm just probably just going to get it out of my system, get a surgery and be done with it. So we move along that night. We go and tell our parents, we go and tell our siblings. And, you know, I was getting ready for bed and I'm brushing my teeth. And that's when my husband literally wrapped his arms around me from the back. His head is behind me. And I didn't realize, but he was totally tearing up. And he was like, I just don't know what I would do without you, is what he said. And and I just at that point was kind of in shock. But I was like, the funny Mimi would say something that would make him laugh. So I needed to say something that would make him laugh. So I turned him around and I said, you're just going to have to fake it. Because women fake it all the time. And so, of course, I was like, kind of half serious and kind of half not, but more serious than not. Like, I can't see him cry. I just, I just don't want to, my goodness. I mean, I'm not dead yet. Let's try to figure this out and win this thing without having to have to worry that I'm not going to be here. And, and truthfully, Caroline, at that point, I really thought maybe I will die. But you know what? We all will die. So what are we going to do with our life to make it more meaningful and get through this? I didn't realize how tough it's going to be. I didn't realize how hurtful I was going to be physically and emotionally. 
And honestly, I was the happiest person. And when people asked me what I needed, I said prayers. I said prayers for me to be calm because I did have a bout of anxiety right after. And I had to be, I, I had it so bad. I had to get medicine to help. I mean, I and think then, that's totally a normal human response, right? I mean, right. But, but I, but as, as, as someone who's married to a physician, I honestly thought I can handle everything and sure. I'm a pretty strong person. I don't cry very no, often. What I want to know is how hard was it to tell your kids? You know what? My son was already there and he was home from dental school and it wasn't hard to tell him. It was honestly, he was there and I just said, I don't want you to worry about me. I want you to worry about your life. You only have one life to make it perfect. And I don't really, I mean, that was probably the hardest thing I think for me to tell the kids that they shouldn't stop studying and doing what their dreams are and you know do what they really want to do because they need to do what they need to do and he was just he was he was all of us I mean we all bawled and we all were like in denial for at least a couple of weeks and but I'll tell you something else that night after we lay down and I, after he bawled and said, I can't, I won't, I don't know what I will do without you. He then said to me, okay, so you're the financial person. Do we have everything in place? Do I have life insurance? Do you have your life insurance? And I had to respond and say, dude, I'm not done yet. I'm right here. I mean, let give me a couple of weeks to kind of figure out and then I will get all that in gear. Can I have the spreadsheet for in case of emergency, please? And that's and that's what I said to him. I will make you a spreadsheet. Give me a couple of days. And the funny thing was I never got that spreadsheet done and uh didn't need to because yeah, I wasn't I had never felt like I needed that I wasn't gonna survive. And partly it was all the love that I felt with the emails and the Texts and the cards and the flowers. I mean, you know, my my son. After two or three weeks, flowers just kept coming in, and I said to my son, "I'm like," and he was living there. I was like, "Gosh, I know how it will be if I die. This seems like a funeral right here." He's like, "Mom, I know you said that. I know you you're not you're not morbid about it, but that was kind of morbid, just so you know." <laughs> yeah, he's like, maybe a little too close to home, maybe a little too yeah. soon. And I said, it's um, fine. It's fine. It's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And he was like, okay, mom, it's going to be fine. But I really like flowers. And I love that everybody will send me a whole bunch of flowers when I die. And he's probably not <laughs> so going to say that. From the time that you were diagnosed to the time that you had surgery and had like staging, what did that look like for you? So the time that I had my diagnosis was during Christmas time. And I'll have to tell everybody out there. When you have a diagnosis during a holiday, nobody works. The doctors are gone. The nurses are gone. The mammogram people didn't tell me that my my diagnosis was more severe until a week later. I got really, there was a lot of up and down emotions. It was like, oh, I don't have it that bad. Oh, crap. I have it really worse. Oh, crap. What do you mean triple negative? Oh, you know, and all these emotions so then after that, I went to the oncologist. The oncologist said that I needed chemo first and then I would get my m- mastectomy. And actually, we didn't even know if we were going to do a mastectomy. I was getting 
my genetics. So after I found out, I went to the oncologist. She said, for sure, triple negative, nothing cures it. You have to do chemo and chemo will be the only thing. She was really positive about it. I don't know if you guys all know Dr. O'Shaughnessy, but she's this little and she's this positive and she's like, I have good news and bad news. And that's how she did it. The good news is you have triple negative. And the bad news is we're going to kill it, kill them. And we're not going to let them survive. And I'm like, so what happens if chemo doesn't work? Oh, it's going to work because we have a couple of chemos to try. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so she's like, it's fine. And then she sells me on her research. And she said, we need more research to figure out. And yours is right in the stage. And so would you mind if we feed it sugar to see how much it grows? But we're going to kill it. We're going to kill it. Don't worry. And I'm like, what, uh, what, what are you talking about? But it all worked because then I know that my my journey helped with research. So I know that eventually that will come out in plenty of different ways to help other people. But so that came. So we, we started with chemo. Dr. O'Shaughnessy suggested if I want to keep my hair to pay for the cold cap. I decided to do it. Actually, I didn't decide to do it. Let me go back on that. My mom is a hairdresser. So I was like, mom, I don't need this cold cap. It's going to be like 2,500. She's like, I'm going to pay for it. I'm like, I don't want you to pay for it. I can pay for it. And she's like, no, the one thing I can do, and I need you to shut up and just listen to me. is what she said. I will pay for it. So after two tries, it didn't work. The hair was actually still falling off tremendous. I had AC, you being a doctor know that AC and a different one, and I can't remember the second one, but it was all red devil. It was serious. It was chemo to the bones, killing every part of the bone and then zapping it and giving it a day or a week and then zapping it again. So the object was to just get it through your system and kill every cell that there was. And it worked. Dr. O'Shaughnessy said, said, you know, you're a tennis player. I love it. Keep playing tennis, walk every day, drink a lot of water, get it out of your system. And that's exactly what I did. I listened exactly what I did. I even worked out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday every week until I couldn't, I couldn't walk anymore. But we did, I mean, I had so much cheering for me. So I, there was no, there was no negative feelings. There were no doubt that I can finish it. There, there was just all this you know, the anxiety was suppressed by the medicine, which is really good because I don't know if people out there have anxiety, but anxiety is, I think, the worst thing that can happen when you're throwing up and you're hyperventilating and you don't know why. And here I am 50 years old and I have never had an anxiety attack. I've never had depression. I've never had any of this. Right. And on top of that, what is happening to me? What is happening to me? And then I've not even had like feelings of being, of being sick. I've never been sick. I mean, my, my 16th birthday, I had a sty removed from my eye and that was the sick, the, the, the surgery that I had. And that's it for besides the kids. And I didn't have surgery. I just had natural kids. And so through it all, I had a port put in and the day before the port, my breast surgeon called and said, you've got the genes, you've got PALB2, you don't have BRCA1 or 2, but you have PALB2, so it's like the BRCA3. So I'm gonna recommend that you do a double mastectomy because you, you don't wanna take chances. And I'm like, absolutely, I trust your, you know, I trust you, you could do whatever. We met with the plastic surgeon and they got together and I wanted my nipples. Can I say nipples in a yes, podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be so I had, really off limits. <laughs> 
<laughs> I had I had nipple sparing that, but because the breast cancer was so close to the nipple, they have to remove the nipple because that's where it starts is where the nipple is, has a whole lot of hormones. And so what they were able to do is they were able to go vertical and not sideways. Most of the time when people have their mastectomy, here's your boob, they cut across and then they open up, take everything in. This breast surgeon, Dr. Beth Anglin, she actually opened it from horizontal and then took everything out, save my nipple, or I'm sorry, save my areola. So I have, if you were to look at it, it looks like I have my areola, but I don't have my nipple. But I can always get it tattooed if I really wanted to. But right? yeah, but honestly, why would I want to? Because it's, it is what it is, you know? I mean, nobody's going to look at it for me and my husband. That's it. And he's used to it by now. <laughs> That's right. You've adjusted to a new normal. Yeah. <laughs> so was but your reconstruction done later? Yeah. So I did chemo for six months, almost seven. And then I waited about two weeks and I had my mastectomy. And I double mastectomy and I was supposed to be out for four weeks and I ended up with six weeks because I had a blood clot the five days after. So then I had to go back to surgery and had another surgery to clean out everything. And he put more tubes in so that all the, the fluids would come out. So after that, I waited about three weeks and I started radiation. So People ask me all the time, which one is worse? I, I do think chemo was pretty bad because it hits you in the bones, but radiation was pretty bad too. And it wasn't bad up front. It was bad more as the weeks went by that I felt weak, but also the burn, you, you know, you have burn. And I was lucky. I had Dr. Tumberland and she told me about this cream from Japan. They put the cream on, you put a green tea, warm it up and you pat pat. The, the green tea and then you put that cream on and then you pat it. My skin was burning. My skin was burning. Mm-hmm. And the green tea, something in the green tea actually heals. And that with this ointment that it's called ornigami or something, but you can get it on Amazon. I put that on and after eight, 12 weeks, it was red, but it wasn't bad. But after a couple more days, it turned black because of the burn. But I did, I went through all of that got my hair back. And then in December, um, I was finished with it probably in October and December, I actually had a full hysterectomy. And uh, that's part of the cancer is the hormones. And so if you don't want it again, she was trying to make it. She said, you need to remove your ovaries. My OB said, well, if you're already there removing your ovaries, you might as well remove, you know, your uterus because you really don't need it. You're not having any more kids. And so I did both of that, which I'm glad because now I know I can't have uterine uh, cancer and you can't have ovaries, ovarian cancer as well. My grandmother had ovarian cancer. So then we had another surgery in May of 2020 and then another surgery in September. And that's when I went through depression. It was something that I didn't realize when you're going through depression, you don't realize you're going through depression. But if you don't face things out up front, then what happens is, you're in denial, but you don't know you're in denial, right? Yeah. So October came. Because you're in the midst of it. You're in the midst of it. And my husband's like, I really do think you need to see a therapist. Let me get you with this therapist. I went and saw the therapist. I'm like, that's fine. I don't know why everybody's making a big deal. Mm-hmm. So I literally saw her five times, like mm-hmm. every other week or every week. 
And after the fifth session, like she goes, do you want to continue this? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I wasn't good. And back then in hindsight, I just wanted to push through it because you heard my beginning, my humble beginning. Right. We, we're very, we're, I work very hard and I, I work hard because that's our nature, but I'm also a giver and my love language is give. And so when I'm not able to do that because I'm sick, I, I, I it was hard for me to take stuff because right. I'm sick. And so I just continue to push through it. And that year in 2020, I remember being just not myself and, and I pushed through it and then I was okay for a little bit. And I was, oh, that was when I took off and did not get back on antidepressants. So I was actually off of antidepressants for about three months and depression Mm -hmm. hit really bad. So then I got back on antidepressants, which... People have said, if you're on antidepressant, you might as well stay on antidepressant for your whole life. And I was just not going to take that. I'm like, I'm going to figure something out. And then September, October of 2021, actually exactly in October, I had another bout. And this time it was not remembering. So I wasn't remembering things, you know, work. And I, there was a client who needed to meet and I, and I just didn't remember. I just sat there and just couldn't remember. And so I ended up staying off of work for about four weeks. And that was really hard because I'm a proud person. (laughs) I was, was, uh, yeah, very much like you said. And I was very embarrassed for the longest time. And then I went back to my therapist and she was like, Mimi, why are you embarrassed? Tell me why you're embarrassed. And so it all goes back to your humble beginning of you working hard and you not taking failure, never take failure. Why would you take failure to I'm hurt, but I don't know how to express it. And then I'm depressed, but I don't know why I'm depressed. And then it's a major medical diagnosis, a major life altering events. It's a normal human response. I think to have that amount of you know, sadness and struggle and depression. I mean, I think that it's totally normal and I commend you for getting help and taking the break, you know, taking that like mental health break that you needed, even though it probably nearly killed you. (laughs) No, you know, it was funny because I kept on telling therapists, I'm ready to go back. So I need you to sign these paper. And she was like, well, I don't know where the paper is. And then the next week I'm like, well, let's do one more week. And then I realized she was just stalling time. And she's just dragging her feet. <laughs> she's just dragging her feet. And I realized that now, but um, back then I was like, why is she not letting me go back to work? I'm fine. So Mimi, one of the things that I remember you saying is that your mom taught you to, in all things, to always be grateful and to be very community minded. And so through this transformative journey in your life, you decided this is a challenge to go through when I have the resources, right? Husband is a physician. We can kind of maneuver, you know, you got your money in order. You can maneuver the challenging insurance game to get your treatments. But you realize that that was not the case for everybody else. So tell us no. a little bit about me squared. So as I was doing chemo two times, one, I was in the chair doing chemo and I was sleepy and groggy. And my husband was there. And the other time I was in bed 
And I just said to him, I, I think I know my calling and that is to help people who can't afford this. And he just, honestly, he looked at me and was like, are you crazy? You don't have time. Right? You're already you working full time. Yeah. Yeah. You've got so much on your plate. And I said, honey, it's not, it's not so much. I have so much on my plate. It is, I know I'm blessed to have what I have. And I'm also blessed that I have cancer because I know now what it is to have cancer. It sucks. It sucks when you're rich. It sucks when you're poor. It sucks. Mm -hmm. And not only that, you it, you can die. And right. so how in the world am I going to to do this? And I got together with a couple of people, started talking about it because that's what you do when you really have a passion for something. And I remember I'm talking to everybody about it. <laughs> you want to tell everybody about it and you want to, yeah. you want people to feel what you feel having the passion that you have. And with you, you really wanted to spend more time with your patients and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. And to be able to do that now and to have that flexibility, it's huge. And so for me, I was like talking to a couple of people and I'm like, you know, I'm going to get a board together and I'm going to have the board tell me what to do. So if anybody out there that wants to, to start a nonprofit organization, get with me, do not get more than 10 people or nine people. I got 21 people. <laughs> so that was my biggest mistake. I got too many people. But yeah. the good thing about too many people, because in my mind, I'm like, if you have too many people, then guess what? People will help and you will do more and it'll be great, right? No, it's just people or people and people are different and people have different personalities that you have to work for. Here's the secret sauce that I was telling you earlier. The secret to starting a, to starting a foundation. Okay. To starting a nonprofit. Here's the secret sauce. Find people that have the same heart that you have. Mm -hmm. that have the same vision that you have and not expect anything back in return. And you will have exactly what you need to start a foundation. Mm -hmm. Somebody who has a beautiful heart and wants nothing more than to help other people. It's not about kudos to yourself. It's being humble enough to know that you will bless people in this world and you will get more in return, but don't expect it because it comes in different ways. It may come tomorrow. It may come a month from now. It can come never. But if you expect something back in return, it will never come. But when you don't expect it, and it took me a while to figure that out. The first year was very hard to be squared. But as I realized, if you want to help, you've got to have that unlimited selfless heart that gives without expecting anything back and has the same passion that you have, which is if your passion is to helping patients, you find your staff to give without any expectations back. And your practice is going to do so well that you don't expect anything back in return. For me, Square, to be where we are today, we just had our. Friday night, black and white event. I had no expectations. I mean, all I did was get a group of like-minded, big hearts, selfless people who want to give without any expectations back. And it's not about their business. It's not about anything. It is literally about the cause. And my cause was helping newly diagnosed cancer patients 
deal with their journey financially and emotionally. And how we do that, it's male, female, and all cancers. And that was the board's decision. That was not my decision. I didn't know if I wanted to keep breast cancer or not. I just didn't want to go through research. I wanted to make sure that it was going to the newly diagnosed cancer patients. And Right. So they can initiate treatment because I remember you telling me that sometimes it's get, having that initial copay to even start their treatment. That's a barrier. It's a huge barrier. And not only that, but, you know, I'm a pretty smart gal and I couldn't even navigate through the insurance things. I mean, they would say, oh, you owe us $1,200. And I'd be like, I got smart. I was like, can I give you 500? And then if insurance wants more, I'll pay. Oh yeah, 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 sure, sure. And so if our cancer patients knew of this and they would only, some of these cancer patients, Carolyn, did not pay their mortgage so they they can get their treatment. Some people waited six months to get their treatment. So my goal was at that time, I mean, again, it's unrealistic. At that time, I wanted to do it for everybody. I didn't care if it was need or no need. I just want, if anybody wanted deductibles, we're here, we're going to give it away. And it's unrealistic. It's for the people who are needy. And I get that. And so what we do now is we give last year, 93% of our grant recipients are 400% under poverty. Amazing. Huge. Yeah. We gave away 177000 last year. So we now have raised money to where we can probably give about 350, 400, maybe 450 this year. And that is going to be huge. That's so exciting. I love this mission, Mimi. I think it's so beautiful that you took this traumatic life event that you had and said, well, how can I pay it forward? And Me Squared Foundation is just amazing. And so I want everybody to know where they can find you. And the foundation is mesquaredcf.org or mesquaredcancerfoundation.org. Yeah, either one, either one. And it helps newly diagnosed adult patients in the Dallas-Fort Worth area to provide their cancer-related educational and financial and emotional ease through their journey to give them hope. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know it's a very personal journey. I know I thought that Me Squared was a cute mathematical play on your name, being Mimi. But I love how you and the foundation kind of, you were like, no, I don't want it to be about me. It needs to be about the patient. And tell us the quote that you live by, really, the Mother Teresa quote. My quote is, I can do things you cannot. You can do things I cannot. Together, we can do great things. And that's by Mother Teresa. I also have another quote out there, and I can't remember who wrote it, but volunteers are not about them. It's the heart that gives when you volunteer. Mm. Beautiful. Well, congratulations on a successful fundraising event this year. I think that that's amazing. It's going to help so many people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And thank you so much for sharing your personal journey with breast cancer because um, actually your breast surgeon has been on the Sky Women podcast. Oh, Um, she does. Beth Anglin? Yeah. Dr. Anglin was on episode 49, all about the breast. And that's awesome. Yeah. I'm going to have to tell her that I know you. 
Yeah, we have talked a lot about, you know, preventative measures and then, you know, how do we go about getting a diagnosis when we have a scare and then what are possible treatments, but not had that personal story of just the journey that it takes and the emotional toll that it takes. So I just want to, you know, say thank you. And just, it's such an honor to have you share your personal story with us. Absolutely. And absolutely. And I'll tell you one thing about Dr. England. She's a beautiful, beautiful human being. She will help those that can't afford it as well. And we're trying to do a partnership with her and Dr. Mendez to where they're going to give a couple a year to be able to do work for people. So I'm excited about the partnership. We're just talking about it, but she is definitely going to be our partner with Eastbrook Cancer. Foundation. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I love it. You just keep building those connections and make paving the way for others who really need the services um, and navigated it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you so much for being you and please continue to do what you do because it's so important for physicians out there to really kind of talk about the mental health side and also just the mental side of things. And because we just, I don't think that we talk about it enough to be honest with you. Agree. We need to normalize the conversation for sure. Absolutely. Yes, because mental Absolutely. health is health. Yeah. Yes. Well, have a lovely rest of your day, Mimi. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next week, be well. All right, Sky community. Thank you for listening to another episode. This episode was sponsored by Sky Women's Health. As a reminder, we're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and we help relieve back pain and pelvic pain in pregnancy and beyond. If you are pregnant and having pain and you feel like you have no reliable way to relieve it, look us up at skywomenshealth.com, request an appointment, and we'll call to get you scheduled. As a board-certified OB-GYN with a Neuromusculoskeletal Medicine Fellowship, I help you realign with hands-on drug-free treatment and relieve pain on the spot without medication. We'll help you maintain these results through your pregnancy and postpartum period. Every pregnant person deserves this, and we are so excited to serve you. You can find us on our website, as mentioned, or on social at Sky Women's Health, or you can call the office at 817-915-9803. That's it for today. Until next week, be well.